I have to consent. I've consented. <gasps> oh boy. Here we go, Mary. Oh, we're back. <laughs> it's season four of the Melrose Placecast, everybody. Oh my God. Are we going to get sued? Uh, sure. No, no. This is a parody podcast, so we're not going to get sued. And as a reminder to everybody going into season four, if you're still with us, this is not a parody. I'm sorry. Not a recap podcast. It is yeah. a parody podcast. Yeah. I, what are we parodying? <laughs> Anything that would get us sued. Okay, great. Okay. So season four, oh my God, I just can't wait to get started. I mean, we left with such a cliffhanger. The actual was bombing. There a, is there a bombing? I don't know yet. There was a bombing, Mary. We saw Kimberly press the button. Hey, well, I didn't see anything explode. And as, no, yes, we did. Because as we determined, the Lifetime movie of Melrose Place was canon. You saw the bombing. Kimberly is floating in the pool. Oh boy. So oh. that's official. And you know what else I'm so excited about? Darren Starr. Thank God he's gone and off oh, to Jersey or wherever. Wherever he went. You know, like out by where Sully landed that airplane. Oh, those geese were a real problem. They were a real problem. So with Darren's Darren's Star? Darren Star. Did I say Darren Spelling? You almost did. <laughs> Darren it would Star. with Aaron Spelling. So out of here. We got we, we, we got a good 12 characters on the credit scene. That's more than there's ever been. That's crazy. This intro is getting a little long. I think we should get started. <laughs> I got so lost. Anyway, season four of the Melrose Place cast begins right now. Thank God. Hello and welcome to the Melrose Place cast. Today we are talking about season four, episode four, Simply Shocking. I'm Mary. And I am Tej, and I was shocked by this episode. Really? Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, I'm shocked that as much as I think there's art in the Kimberly storyline, this week I am gonna cede that ground entirely to you. Wow. Well, that's yeah. probably a good choice. I'm gonna concede in advance on that one. <laughs> good move. That's a good But damn, Marsha Cross is good at what she does. Oh, she's a champ. She's... She's doing the Lord's work here. Yeah, yeah. Can I uh, tell you my my three quotes that I think uh, are high art for the generations? Yeah, please. Okay. First, and this will tell you how strong my week is, that this is my first quote. Okay. I'm staying blind until Billy opens his eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Okay. Second, we've got some real Wisconsin served up with the, not from Allison either, with the quotes, those were my personal files. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, we're going to the 2011 Supreme Court election on that one. And then the okay. final final quote, Mary, you know what I'm going for, don't you? I mean, there's so many. Yeah, but you know this one. I probably do. <laughs> uh, trigger warning to fangs. Uh, uh, the quote is, I still fired the little faggot. Oh. Yeah. That got real. Yeah. And for the record, I said fags as one. Like that applies to me too. So don't, nobody can criticize. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Mary, do you, do you think like just with those quotes, do you just want to like roll up, admit defeat? Or I, do you think you've got enough with Kimberly and the Kimberly and Jane? As much as I'd like to go take a nap. 
I will do my due diligence. Mary, take it, it is it is way too late to be taking a nap. No, it's never too late for a nap. What are you talking about? You'd just be going to bed. Not at this hour, no. Not in my lifestyle. <laughs> All right. Well, can I get us started? Please, yes. All right. This quote comes from our dear, our dear friend Allison Parker, who says, quote, I'm staying blind until Billy opens his eyes. Mm-hmm. Here's the art. The art is damsel in distress. That's what she's serving. We see it in literature, in filmography, in the theater, and in real life, right? Like the number of ways, go back to high school, Mary, right? Like me and you in the 90s and whatever decade you went to high school, when the, <laughs> the number of things like girls learn to pretend not to do so that boys would help them. Yeah. Math, the biggest, right? Like we, we all know about what a fraud that was. Sure. Uh, fraud being perpetrated against women on that, that one, I'd say. But either way, right? Like the idea that you can curry favor with a man by making him feel like you need him and therefore you have to play more helpless than you are. That's what Allison is serving up here. And as, as we remember, Allison's eyesight is back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she learned this because she saw Brooke glaring at her. (laughs) And she told Jane last week, she said, I have to tell Billy tonight. When she went to tell Billy, she heard him from his apartment with Amanda Woodward and the windows open. By the way, pause. Does Brooke knows the history with Billy and Amanda? Do you think Brooke would let Billy be alone in an apartment with Amanda Woodward? Does she know the history of Billy and Amanda? She's got to. I mean, maybe, but I don't know that it's ever been made explicit. That she okay, did. okay, okay. I'll, fine. Anyway, Bi- uh, Allison heard, heard, heard Billy say, I'm not going to leave Allison alone, at least while she's blind. Which is a weird thing to say if you think someone is permanently blind. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Allison uh, reveals to her good sister friend, Amanda Woodward, that her sight is back. But she's not telling Billy yet. Yeah. Now, it made sense that she had to tell Amanda because she had to tell Amanda that she saw Brooke in her office. Yeah. But this Amanda and Allison as friends thing is not checking out for me. No, it never will. It can't. Yeah. Okay. So later, Billy is reading the good news from the newspaper to Allison and Brooke comes in and um, she clocks that Allison is not nearly as tentativeness or as tentative. Yeah. Um, so later, Billy comes by to talk to her. Allison sitting there playing blind by staring straight ahead. And Billy starts making crazy weird faces. And Allison laughs and says, what are you doing? And Billy says, Brooke was right. You can see. Yeah. And Allison explains why she did it. And Billy says, our relationship is over. I married Brooke. And Allison says, if you're saying that to remind me, don't bother. But if, it's, if you're saying it to remind yourself, dot, 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 dot. Yeah. So that's that. But the high art for the generations, Allison knew to curry favor with Billy, romantic interest from a man she had to, had to play helpless. And it worked. Yeah. Yeah, that does work. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Let me yeah. ask you this. This damsel in distress, it works in our society, right? Now, now, listen, the gays, we're immune. We are immune to that. I guess. I, I, I don't have firsthand knowledge, so I can't. Yeah. 
Yeah. But as far as a, as far as a gender, like a moment of sexism there, who is the victim in that sexism? Like who comes out better in that scenario? Well, I don't, I think it's a horse apiece, isn't it? I mean, it depends. Well, and it depends. Maybe it doesn't depend. I don't know. I mean, if, if both parties are ultimately getting what they want, it's still sexist, but then I don't know that there's a victim. Yeah. I don't know. This, this idea that there are things men can do that women can't do. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that's what this is leaning off of. I go back to, there was a time back in the day when uh, we would have big events on campus, not the campus you and I were at, but a different one. Mm-hmm. And the person who assigned responsibilities always said explicitly, and we need a couple of the men to move the signs. And I just always felt like, what, what, what is it that I could be like, get some ladies to go do this? <laughs> like, we can't do that. What, how, how can we say that? I no, not, oh, go ahead. except I do think that happens constantly at those kinds of things. And it's going to be like, well, you, you guys are going to work the registration table. That's the kind of stuff that happens. It's not as explicit as that, but it's like, yeah. well, go over there and do that. Or they're going to go iron the flags for commencement. Or Well, sure. Okay, but listen, but listen, I mean... You don't want to be walking around in your heels. So that's a good place for you. And yeah, not my heels. I really <laughs> around <in> my heels. <laughs> I would love I I don't know that I've seen you in a high heel. I don't own a high heel. I probably We get, we, we gotta get you one. I did I've seen your feet, so we've gotta get you some kids' high heels. <laughs> I just think that's trouble and the <laughs> closer to the ground I am the better. Like, I will tell you this. High heels are an example of sexism, and I know who the victim of that one is, and it is women. That is unfair. And drag queens. That is by choice. Well, I mean, you say that, but I've seen when a drag queen tries to not wear high heels, and she gets ripped to shreds. Well, she says, I'm sorry, do you want to be a fucking drag queen, or do you want to walk around in kitten heels? What are we even doing here? There it is. There we are. (laughs) Jesus. Anyway. Mary, that was my first point. Damsel in distress. I think I think I made a good one. I think you did, and I and it was it was it was round one for me. So we can just stop if you want. Nope, let's keep going. What do you got? Uh, I call this one. She has so many screws loose, she could start a hardware store. <laughs> yes, I. And I'll. I'm, I'm going to step aside on this one. You've got it. <laughs> yes, it is trash. So the episode opens with Michael and he's walking down the hall, uh, like and a guard unlocks a door, or like a gate. And he has to walk down a line. He has five minutes. And so he walks down to the end of his hallway and he looks into this. It's supposed to be like a cell or a hospital room. And of course, Kimberly's in there and she's kind of looking like Hannibal Lecter. She's not with like a face mask, but like she's in a jumpsuit and she stands still. Um, he said he wanted to see for himself that she's safely tucked away. And she says, oh, I'm very safe. Thank you. You, on the other hand, are a dead man. She turns around, rips a sink off the wall, throws it through a door, which is technically a window because it's just a giant piece of glass. Um, Can we pause on that scene? Okay. Am I crazy? The grass, the glass was breaking before the sink hit it. Probably. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> more than likely. Um, so she breaks it. She comes through what's left of the door, glass. She grabs a shard of glass and starts stabbing Michael repeatedly as he screams. And of course he wakes up because it was a dream or a nightmare. He's in the locker room at work. He looks over at Kimberly's locker and he dramatically rips the tape with her name on it and says, no way you're ever getting out. Uh, Later, he's at work. He is demanding that Kimberly be placed in a maximum security facility because she'll always be a menace to society. Sydney comes up with an armful of files about Kimberly. 
that's when Peter walks up and he's like, I told you to stay away. And he tries to take the files away. And Michael's like, no. And he asks, Peter asks Sydney, those are his files. And she's like, no, I got these from Michael. You can get your own. And he's like, you work for both of us. <laughs> Which, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter leads him away. And he's like, you're wasting your time. She's beyond help. Cut to Kimberly sitting with a tray of food in her room. Bob from Twin Peaks starts talking at her. She's got to reach this attempts to cure her. He's the only one who she can trust, just like always. And she says, you're a bastard. She's locked up like a caged animal. She throws her tray at the door. And then we see Peter and an orderly rushing in. And she's losing her shit. She's up on top of the bed having a big tantrum. They grab her. They inject her with like a sedative. And they shove her into a wheelchair. And she's fighting back. She's like, where are you taking me? Shock therapy. Oh, no. And she knew it. No, don't do it. Don't do it. And so they put her down on the table and strap her down and they stick a bite guard in her mouth and zap, they zap her and she convulses and she relaxes and then they convulse her again and it repeats. And Peter looks on and I think he's trying to look emotional, but he just looks really bored. <laughs> it wasn't very good acting. Uh, he tells them that's enough and they stop. Later, Sydney is squawking at Peter back at their office about why is he bothering to help her? Quote, she's got so many screws loose, she could start a hardware store. Uh, he doesn't think she knows what she's talking about. Uh, Sydney's like, yeah, can I remind you? Uh, I know exactly what she's been up to. She tied me up, conked me on the head, and tried to pull the sky high. Peter's like, well, she has what we call certain issues. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, she does. Then Peter makes the mistake of saying he's not going to let this happen again. And so uh-huh. like, what are you talking about? And he's like, forget about it. And she's like, uh, I mean, you just said again. So he stupidly tells Sydney that he sister who ended up locked away and he couldn't okay now was it stupid or was it sneaky we we don't know that that was a slip up i guess that's true i guess Mm -hmm. um she didn't know yet because i don't i her and he ominously tells her i want you to forget what i said stay out of my business and as soon as he leaves she picks up the phone calls michael and says do i have something to tell you uh later michael is at the beach house with sydney and they're having some drinks and they're talking about like, oh, this all makes sense now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is this drink? Is it? It's like jet fuel. And Michael says it's called grappa, and it's an Italian brandy made from the residue of distilled wine. And quote, it's rumored by my ancestors to have a certain aphrodisiacal power. Uh, Cindy giggles, and she's like, "What a waste! All we're doing tonight is scheming against Kimberly." And we all see the writing on the wall here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Michael's being kind of flirty and she's like, no, no, we gotta have a plan. I don't want you to tease me. And so she goes up toward the door and she's, now she's like drunk talking. And she's like, sometimes I see myself as this ball bouncing from relationship to relationship, scheme to scheme. The only constant is you, Michael. I bounce away. I bounce back. Always back to this house. Is it the view? Is it the sea air? Or is it you? And he walks up and he's like, Contrary to popular opinion, I'm a wonderful person. And he kisses her and she kisses him back. She goes, oh, but what about Kimberly? What about the plan? And he's like, silly, this is the plan. And he picks her up and carries her out to the bedroom. And she goes, be gentle, Michael. And he says, not a chance. Oh, boy. All right. Cut back. Yeah, uh, yeah. That beautiful footage of the outside of a prison from the 1960s with the cars, with the big fins on the back. Bless it, it's back. Because uh, we don't have any modern footage of a building, I guess, we could put in. Uh, she's in a room and Sydney and Michael show up and Sydney's picking at her. She's like, we were worried you'd look like a yucky nutcase. And Michael says, it's just like old times. You've got color in your cheeks. 
And Cindy says, I thought only Michael could put that kind of color in a woman's cheeks. And they start kissing in front of her. And Kimberly cries and tells him to stop it. Michael's like, keep a stiff upper lip. Sydney says, oh, this wasn't a good idea, Michael. Seeing us separately was one thing, but seeing us together, seeing we're a couple again. And Kimberly's voice changes. And she growls, get out of here. And they don't. So she starts screaming, get out. And she lunges. But then she hides behind a headboard. And Peter runs in. He grabs them and shoves them out of the room. And Michael's like, I'm just trying to keep this crazy, crazy twit behind bars. Yep. Uh, yep. You got, listen, listen, that's where you keep the crazy twit. That's what I've heard. Uh, so he, Peter's mad. He gets him out of there. Uh, later, Sydney's asking Michael why he isn't answering her pages. Uh, she brought, uh, she's wearing a cute little leopard print coat. And she's like, I thought maybe we'd celebrate. And she opens her coat. And there's a sexy little black dress. And he's like, get lost. And he's wearing big headphones. I don't know what he's listening to. But I like to imagine it's like classic rock or something. Uh, he's like, yeah, I just did this so we could mess with Kimberly. Like, I don't care. You're, you're not useful to me anymore. And she's like, oh, my God, I haven't learned anything, have I? And I laugh really Nope. Nope. You have not. You have not. Sydney. Uh, the next morning at the office, Peter's trying to show Michael how to transfer a call because Sydney has not showed up for work. And she says she's quitting. She's just there to get her stuff. But Michael pouts and he walks off. He's going to go hire a temp. Uh, Peter mm-hmm. stops. like, I want you to stay. And she's like, why would you want me to stay after what happened with Kimberly? And he said, you're under the influence of an evil man. And I'm sure you were an unwilling participant, which is clearly a lie. Uh, he says, Michael's idea to do that stuff to Kimberly. And that's probably why she's quitting, right? And Kimberly's like, mm-hmm. I have idea what he was up to <laughs> Kimberly's yes he's like Kimberly's had a minor setback which also makes me laugh he offers Sydney an extra hundred dollars a week to say that he'll pay out of his own pocket under the table and she's like oh I bet you're expecting extra services in return because that's poor Sydney's fate in life and she gets up to leave and he says no no he says I just want something you're good at I want you to basically spy on Michael I don't trust him I need someone who's on the inside and so she's like a spy and he goes, nothing that melodramatic. And she goes, a spy? And he goes, okay, a spy. And <laughs> it made me laugh too. And they have a deal. Um, this is all delightful soap opera. Um, the most soap opera parts are clearly the electroshock therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene with Michael and Sydney and the Italian grappa brandy and him getting her drunk. Uh, and then this whole Peter hiring Sydney to spy on him behind Michael's back. There's a lot uh- of I love, first of all, I am not letting Peter Burns go for the fact that he tried to murder Amanda Woodward and not just like thought about it, like scalpel in hand, had to fist fight Michael Mancini in the operating table for Amanda Woodward to still be alive. It's crazy. Yeah, I get I get he's permanent now and they want us to forget that. But I no, ma'am, I will not forget. I will not forget Peter Burns. No, it's why he and Michael are a good pair together because they're both weasels. Yes. And I love, they did so well at this because Peter has hated Sydney being there. Yeah. And you could see, at first he was happy to see Sydney go. And then he realized she was going because of a fallout with Michael. And he, like, you could see it occur to him that he could use Sydney to his advantage. Yeah. And he went for it and didn't hide his motivation from Sydney, which most guys are hiding their motivation from Sydney. Totally. Yeah, and he just put it out there. Here's here's the sitch. Here's the sitch, sis. <laughs> he was direct and to the point, and it paid off. Yeah, but the the moment in the storyline, Mary, that I knew I was going to have to let it go was <laughs> when Kimberly acted the electroshock therapy by jerking her body forward and holding still. 
<laughs> it was very dramatic. Yeah. Very. It, it reminds me of the time, you know, I have a history of um, breaking into abandoned buildings that are rumored to be haunted. Sure. And as we all do, right? Who among us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was one, the, the old sanatorium in Wisconsin. I went with um, my ex and we snuck around and we saw this was what was so weird. The cold water dunk tanks so like the water, whatever, the, like the cold water therapy, which may or may not have even been real. Right. But as, as I understood, they would fill water like ice cold and like dip you in it. And, and we saw that out on the back of the steps. And I just think like, what the fuck was wrong with mental institutions? What were they thinking? They had some issues to work out. <laughs> some minor setbacks. Also, also, we are to believe that Wilshire Memorial has an electroshock therapy room in 1995. No, she's over at that other place now, isn't she? How is Peter there all the time? Well, he, he's, he's half in private practice, isn't he, with Michael? So he probably has lots of time to dick around. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't let me say, I didn't like it. I didn't like this. This is, this is a damsel genuinely in distress. <laughs> this is genuine distress. She has a lot of distress, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, Mary, can I tell you about Brooke and Amanda Parisi? And those were my personal files. And what it has to do with the Tea Party Revolution and the 2011 state Supreme Court race in Wisconsin? I guess you're going to either way, so. All right. Well, as you know, Brooke broke. Oh, by the way, pause. Beep, 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 beep. Podcast news. Everyone else except for Melrose Sheltering in Place cast, all of the other three podcasts, all celebrated season four, episode three being the 100th episode of Melrose Place, and we did not do that. Oh, no. No, no, no. Because we're different. So let's celebrate the 101th episode of Melrose wow. Place. What a thrill it is to be here. 101. 101. Okay. <laughs> also, we're not even halfway there. I know. I try not to think about that too often. Okay. All right. All right. So Brooke, Amanda Parisi. Brooke uh, broke into Amanda's office last week because Amanda said, you can't go in those files. That's personal. Brooke went in found the exact file immediately that had Amanda's old driver's license, a Florida driver's license, uh, with the name Amanda Parisi. Mm -hmm. uh, Billy wakes up to hear Brooke booking a round-trip flight to Miami secretly in the living room. <laughs> this is the problem when you don't live in Daddy's mansion. That's true. Not as many phones and not as many rooms. Daddy, by the way, who apparently doesn't want the divorce anymore, I go back to what is up with that? <laughs> I think the writers just sort of forgot for now. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. So she, Brooke flies out to Miami to check out Amanda Parisi. Also, this is pre-internet days because under no condition would you need to fly out to Miami. No, never. Never. Yeah. So Billy comes out. They're having a little moment and Brooke needs to distract Billy so as not to pay too much attention to what she was doing with a flight to Miami. She says it's a real estate deal and Billy's about to drink orange juice, I believe right out of the glass container. Yeah. Yeah. So true. these dumb motherfuckers are taking orange juice in a perfectly valid container it comes in mm -hmm. and pouring it into a glass pitcher. Well, she's a rich girl. They like things out of glass pitchers. You know, no, Gwen Stefani is a rich girl. It's just like that Hall & Oates song, Rich Girl. Yeah. Well, so she, as Billy's about to drink, 
Brooke kind of take, pushes it away from his mouth and says, no, 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 no. The only thing worse than morning breath is OJ breath. And I want to go back in the bedroom. And I have so many problems here. First of all, that is objectively false. That's bullshit. <laughs> get, get rid of that morning breath any way you can. And if it's acidic orange juice, do it. Why not? Second, when Billy realizes he's being summoned to the sexual situation, he takes the glass pitcher of orange juice and puts it on top of the fridge, not in the fridge. Uh, yeah. He's not bright. I mean, this, th- this is, there is no clearer indication that Billy does not, it is not long in the bedroom. Because <laughs> he knew he'd be back out before it got warm. Yeah. I don't think they need to worry too much. Yeah. All right. So they do that. Allison tells Amanda that she saw Brooke snooping. That's fine. So that seed is planting. And then we see Brooke in the basement of a library looking up microfiche files. A library in Miami, no less. A library in Miami. Microfiche on national television. And you, you know what was interesting to me? It, it needed no explanation. Everybody at the time understood what was happening. Yeah, this might have been a fun one to watch with your nephew. <laughs> Nothing's fun with that oh, little bitch. Anyway, too. Yeah. Anyway, she comes across the the librarian comes in and is like, "Well, these are the last ones." And conveniently, that's where we find a picture of Amanda Woodward and Jack Parisi getting married. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, Brooke goes to Jack's house, rings the doorbell, and claims that her car broke down. Mm-hmm. Can I come in and use the phone? Uh, what's the plan here, Brooke? She's just snooping, isn't she? Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, sure, she comes in and saw a portrait, of, not even a good painting, of Amanda Woodward. Uh, so, yeah, so she gets it, right? And she asks, starts asking the guy questions, and he says his, his wife Amanda died five years ago. Um, fine. She does call for help, so she's got a car that is going to be towed away. That was weird to me, too. Well, I mean, what else is she going to do, though? I mean, she's got to get away into the house, and if she says the car is broken, then she's got to call for help. Why does she got to go in the house? Well, because she's trying to get gossip. She's trying to... She, what's the point of going to the house otherwise? You're just going to drive by? like That is what I'm saying. What is the point of going to the house? Well, what's the plan? To... You already know Amanda had a fake identity and married this guy. Yeah, but well, she's... I, what else... Where? How else is she going to find out about the guy other than to meet the guy? It's again she... inner. What did she learn that she didn't know from the library? She knew that she died five years ago. She learned that they, she, she was rich with this guy. She probably picked up on, like, there's some shit going on just because there's that weird guy standing around eating a sandwich. Mm. Like, yeah, was that was weird. Plus, like, yeah, I mean. Well, anyway, Jack Parisi goes through her purse and takes her business card. Okay. Yeah. Later, Brooke is in the office literally chewing on Billy's ear at work. Okay. Well, it's orange juice. Yeah. Yeah. Brooke goes into Amanda's office and confronts her about her being Amanda Parisi. And Amanda goes off the fucking handle, lunges at Brooke, hands around the neck, pushes her against the wall, and has the most stunted dialogue for the scene I have ever heard. Like she's choking a woman against the wall, and all she says to us, those were my personal files. But whatever, we're going to come back to the scene in a minute. But um, anyway, Amanda realizes she's been had. She says, name your terms. And Brooke says, but that would be blackmail. I have a list right here. (laughs) And we later find out that night, Amanda demotes Allison, promotes Brooke. Brooke gives her the corner office. And Amanda says to Allison plainly, if you think this is a demotion, you are correct. 
And Allison goes to Amanda as a friend. She's not mad at Amanda. She says, you're being blackmailed, aren't you? And Amanda says, you can kiss the nice Amanda goodbye. I'm back. Worse than ever with a vengeance. Yep. And Jack Parisi arrives at LAX like Miley Cyrus. (laughs) Now, you might be asking, as the good people of our podcast listener viewership or listenership are, what the hell does this have to do with the Tea Party Revolution? I'm going to go get a drink. and uh... Here's what happened in the Tea Party Revolution. First, in the 2010, the midterms, uh, the Republicans swept everything, including Wisconsin government. Mm-hmm. Governor Scott Walker, after being elected, released this um, Act 10, a dramatic bill to curb public sector unions, including teachers unions in the state. Okay? Mm-hmm. It was, Mary, I think you would agree, the most politically divided time in the state since Brett Favre left the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. was bad. Yeah. It was bad. This, this was when all the state senators, the Democratic state senators, fled the state and had to hide out in Rockford, Illinois. Yeah. If people don't know about Rockford, that's bad. <laughs> that's real bad. There were massive protests, cases being shoveled to the state Supreme Court like you would not believe, okay? Mm-hmm. And in that, so then there was a new Supreme Court election, and one of the, the, the conservatives on the court, Justice David Prosser, you'll remember, of course, uh-huh. uh, was up for election against a Madison hippie, who otherwise would have had no chance, but this energized everybody. Mm-hmm. And so here is, uh, this is, I went back, this is it from NPR.org. There are now two probes of the alleged incident in which Justice Ann Walsh Bradley, who's been to my home, by the way, Justice Ann Walsh Bradley claims that fellow Justice David Prosser choked her during a disagreement related to the state's partisan battle over the collective bargaining rights of public employees. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A state Supreme Court justice said she asked David Prosser to leave her office, at which point he lunged at her hands over her throat like Amanda Woodward did to Brooke. Mm-hmm. Now it's worth for uh, worth saying that uh, one of the other conservative justices, Anne Marie, whatever, said, "You weren't choked, Anne Walsh. He was just holding you." But whatever. <laughs> this this moment of losing control, and of course, naturally, like your hands, they just make a throat shape. Conveniently, right? Like put your put your hands together at your thumb tips. Yeah, you see how a throat fits so well. Yeah, it's like it was meant to be that way. It was meant to be that way. And if you need someone to, like, get up against a wall and stop breathing quickly, you suddenly, like, this is going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Amanda Woodward, I, I kid I should you not, when I saw this scene again, I forgot that she choked out Brooke. And, of course, she didn't actually choke Brooke. She just held her against the wall. It took me right back to that election, that time when, in Wisconsin, we've got Supreme Court justices choking each other out. Wow. Which made me think. When this first aired on primetime television, probably seemed a little wild that the president of, a major, of L.A.'s biggest marketing agency, who this woman, by the way, now has seven years of marketing experience. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at this point, seven years. That probably seemed crazy at the time. Little did we know what was bubbling up in Wisconsin. Wow. <laughs> High art for the generations. Professional <laughs> office choking. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> oh, that was a real journey. 
was a little bit Lord of the Rings esque. It w- it was a little bit like a Will Smith song too, with the Welcome to Miami. Bienvenidos a Miami. Yeah, it is just it's a lot like that. It really they should have played that song. I don't think it existed yet, did it? It did not, but it should have for this scene. That's true. It would have. Or helped. Will Smith was a. F- oh my God! How did we not see this before? Will Smith was a fan of Melrose Place. Oh sure. <laughs> and so he saw this scene, and he was like, "You know what it needs? Mm-hmm. It, you know, when this when this goes to to streaming syndication in the future, it's going to need a new audio track." But he didn't understand how low budget Hulu would be. So. Mm, yeah, they can't afford that. No. Mm-mm. No, 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 that's too much. Too much money. Too much money. So, Mary, did I win you over? I, th- I, I sense skepticism in my argu- in my second argument, which is okay. Um, yeah, because this was going to be my second argument. So, oh. <laughs> okay. Well, why don't we... Let's do this. Let's take a break, and let's okay. come back. Uh, let's, it'll be a palate refresher, right? Like a little bit of like eating a ginger mint. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then we'll come back and we'll hear about it from your perspective to see how you found trash in this because I, I don't see it. Okay. Oh, yeah, we can do that. Bop, stop, stop, the doo-wop. Chimichanga. Mary, you are going to love this week's sponsor. Oh, my God. What is it? Hanson's Helping Hands. Everything you need in one roof. Under what? one roof. Wow. Yeah. Just think, picture it, Mary. You're sitting there and you've got a trouble that you need some help with. You don't know who to call. And the yellow pages, ain't nobody got yellow pages anymore. No, except my parents. Yeah. <laughs> they sure do. I know they do. Okay. So how are you going to figure this out? You're not going to go to Google and just start click clacking around looking for this. No, you're going to go to your one-stop shop. Hanson's Helping Hands. Mmm, bop, stop, dop, the doo-wop, Sri Lanka. It's perfect, Mary. Wow, tell me more. Well, whatever you need help with, we have got a whole cast and crew, an entire team of people ready to help you. Can I tell you just some of the people and their specialties? Oh, please, yes, yes. Well, we've got Jake Hansen, you know, the owner of the establishment. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you what he's here to help you for? Sure. Yep, he's great if you have a problem that needs some mechanicking. Oh, okay. Yep, he could do that. If you need any kind of greasy work done by a pool. Oh, yeah, he's good at that. I see. Yep. Yeah. Or if you need help with a moral dilemma. Mm, now, yeah. Jake Hansen, as we learned when he was dating a high school junior, he famously hates moral dilemmas. Oh, my God, they're the worst for him. He hates them, but... You know, as a service to our, our customers, he will help you through it nonetheless. Wow, what a guy. What a guy. Now, what if, what if you've got a problem that Jake can't help with, right? If it's not mechanicking, greasing around by the pool or moral dilemmas, then we've got Jess Hansen ready to help you. Mm, Bob, it's great. Oh, wow. What's he going to help with? Well, he's going to help you if, you if the problem you need is for someone to stand under a car for long periods of time. Great, great. If you need someone to sleep with your lady and tell you that you've got a small penis. Well, who hasn't needed that? I mean. He's going he's gonna to hire help you if you need uh, someone to hire a hitman. That's a, spe- a very specific skill set. Yes. Yes, because listen, you can't hire a hitman yourself. You'll go to jail. No, you got to have a 
least one middleman. You exactly. You can't be the hitman. You can't hire a hitman. But there's nothing in the laws that says you can't hire someone to hire a hitman for you. Yeah, it's good to put a lot of middle management in that process. Just keep building it in. Keep layering it in. Uh, and, and of course, partner meeting, uh, but we don't recommend that service. No, no, we, yep. we, we, that's, that's, yeah. Okay. Now we've got Shelly Hansen available as well. Can you believe it? Shelly. Oh my God. The little girl joined. They, oh, they, there's a bunch of girls, Mary. Okay. Now Shelly, here's, here's what she's really good at. One, she's really good at the books. She's great at the books. She's so good at showers. But great at just hosing off. No, <laughs> yes. Now you're not going to believe this based on what we've seen of Shelly Hansen so far. But actually, a specialty of hers is timing. If you need help with timing, call Shelly Hansen. Oh, wow. Well, I'm late for things a lot. So <laughs> yes, indeed, you are. Shelly, famously a little late for finding her husband, Jess Hansen. Yeah, yeah, probably should have gotten in the car a little sooner. Yep. Now, do you know who else we've got? Stella Hansen. Oh my God! How could I forget about Stella? What now? Listen, she's she's back from the beyond. As is Jess. Oh, these Hansons aren't making it so far. Yeah, bad luck. Bad yeah. luck. Now, Stella Hansen, she's good at tasting shots. Yeah. She's she's good at pool and and using pool as an excuse to rub herself up on men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's good at waitressing. Oh, she's one of the best. Yeah, remember when she was she was bonding with Jake's girlfriend? Oh my God, I forgot her name. Sandy. Sandy. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed, Mary. Let's cut this part out. Sandy's when, so embarrassed, following you with her yeah, accent. Yeah, when she was bonding with Sandy, and Sandy's like, "Well, I'm actually an actress, but I'm doing waitressing right now," and Stella replied with, "Well, I'm actually a waitress." <laughs> it was a fun. I liked it. Yeah. Now we also we also have Daddy Hansen available. Oh, I forgot about him. Oh, well, it's probably for the best, to be honest. But he's good at photo collecting, and by that we mean holding on to one photo in his wallet for a long time. Mm, yeah, a, a, a photo in his wallet of a son that his wife was not supposed to know about. By the way, <laughs> I just put that together. Prompt some questions, sure. Yep, yep. And he's also really good at speeding. So, like, if you storm away on your motorcycle, upset, and have a one-hour head start, he will still catch up to you, somehow knowing where you're going. He's a fast guy. He's just fast. Yep, yep. Now, we've also got Kid Hansen. Oh, yeah, that one that likes man fries. That's exactly what it, what his specialty is. If you've got a problem, and Mary, this actually could be a reason you would call it Hanson's Helping Hands. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what to dip your fries in today, Kid Hanson will help you figure it out. This is something I could really use. Like, that comes up a lot in my life. Yes, and he's going he's gonna to suggest all the things you would expect a kid to suggest. Everything except ketchup. So yeah. he won't suggest ketchup, but he's no. going to say, have you tried mayo? Maybe bubble gum. It tastes really good in a chocolate shake. Sure. Yeah. Kid just- Hansen is going to help solve that problem. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And he's going he's gonna to really dig deep, right? Because he's going to ask the, the, the follow-up questions. And most people that, that work in this area, in this industry, the fry dipping industry, forget to ask, which is, what type of fry are we dealing with, Mary? Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And as a special bonus, we have not a Hansen. But we do have Joe Beth Reynolds available for, for just special cases. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you need help with your taxes, 
<laughs> if you need help uh, being a baby mama. Sure. Or anything harpoon related, she's your gal. <laughs> Those are also important skill sets. Yeah. So if you need, if you, here's the thing, if you need any help at all, right, just don't even, you don't need to worry about these specialties. You'll call our hotline at 1-800-MBOP-BOP to get to seven numbers, you know, 1-800-MBOP-BOP-BOP. Yeah. Okay. That, that, uh... We've got people standing by and they will, they will learn your problem. They will learn your trouble and they will get the right specialist to you. Mary, they've got everything you need covered and we'll, we'll get it solved. Wow, that's really just an outstanding service to have at our fingertips. Yeah. What, what, Mary, could you think of something you might need some help with from a Hanson? Well, I can always use help doing So if they can help, great. Uh, Mary, you might need a little help with your Wi-Fi because you cut out on me. But can you say that again? Yeah, I can get some help with my Wi-Fi. <laughs> I to do that. Um, my books. I mean, I need help doing my books. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna send Shelly over and lickety split, and she's gonna knock on the door, and and she's gonna say, mm, "Bob, we're here for your books," and she'll help you. Is she gonna ask to use the shower? She is gonna. Yes, yes, it does. We we presume Shelly Hansen Services come with a complimentary shower for her. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. She's gonna go through your books, Mary, and she's gonna give you the real tea, which is gonna be you're spending too much money on yarn and cat food. I mean, I guess I already know that, but it'll be nice to hear from an expert. Yes, yes, that's exactly what she's what she's there for. So one eight hundred bop bop bop, and they will get you settled. Wow. Well, I I'm excited to have this partnership uh, in our in our in our dossier, if you will, of sponsors. And I look forward to getting help from all these wonderful Hanson family members. Plus Joe. Plus Joe. Varying states of dead and alive. And we are back for the second half of the 101st episode of Melrose Place. Of course, we celebrate 101, unlike everyone else. <laughs> uh, we are discussing season four, episode four, Simply Shocking. I'm Tej. I'm still Mary. Mary, let's get back into it. Brooke, Amanda, Jack, microfiche, librarians, biting ears in the office. You found this trash. Tell us how. Well, I won't repeat everything because you kind of already talked about it all. Uh, the thing with the orange juice was very funny and weird. That <laughs> was a weird selling point. Um, it seems like Billy's pretty stupid that he believed that that was that she was going to see an investment property, like because clearly she was making something up. Um, I did enjoy the scene where Allison revealed to Amanda that she could see again, and then she told her, of course, about seeing Brooke digging in the files. Mm -hmm. I like stomped out immediately without even saying anything to Allison and walked right up to Brooke and asked her. And Brooke's like, "Oh no, why would you get that idea?" And uh, Amanda's like, doesn't matter. I'm keeping an eye on you. And oh, she, that's right. That's how Brooke knew that Allison could see. I guess, yeah. Yeah, yep. Um, I, I enjoyed in the background of that scene as Amanda leaves, Allison comes fake blind walking back in. Karen <laughs> <laughs> Smith was having fun. I'm happy for her. Um, uh, I liked when... So Billy's reading the good news out of the newspaper and that's when Brooke comes, comes out with her suitcase. She's leaving for Miami. And that's like you said when Brooke points out, it's almost like she can see because she is walking right by the pool and she doesn't seem like she's worried about it. 
And Brooke Bryant's like, wouldn't it be wild if her vision was coming back? And Billy's like, oh, why wouldn't they tell us? And Brooke's like, oh, I don't know, maybe to play on the sympathies of her old boyfriend. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, um, well, Brooke's, Brooke's got it figured out. I liked that the show did not screw around in Miami. We went straight from the library and the microfiche right to Jack's house. We could have dragged that out more and we didn't need to. So good job, show. Um, that whole scene is just... That portrait above the mantle is a lot. It was a lot. I get that it was supposed to have been painted in the 80s. So she has like 80s hair and big 80s dress. But it was a lot. Um, I agree that it's it's weird that Brooke is at the house. But I get she's there to pump for info. And that's what she did. Um, I like that there was that greasy like mafia guy who was eating a big sandwich. <laughs> like, like, why is he there? Um, it was just, it was entertaining. Um, clearly Jack is a weasel immediately. We know he's a weasel. We can tell he's a weasel. So like, that's all right there. Um, the whole thing of Allison, the scene where Billy is making weird faces at Allison. Um, I, that was, you know what, for him, that was fairly clever. Like I, I give him credit because normally he wouldn't be that smart. So I'll give mm -hmm. him that. Um, the whole scene at work where we go in and Brooke starts blackmailing and she's like, I expected you to have skeletons, but nothing this grand. Uh, I actually, I really enjoyed Amanda's uh, performance because she is clearly, she was not expecting this and this has thrown her way off and she looks mm -hmm. frightened. So I appreciate that. Um, I liked Brooke being like, she's scheming but she's also a little worried because like holy shit amanda's like literally grabbing me and shoving me into a wall like i didn't expect yeah. that um yeah i mean but it's 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 trashy because it's it's I mean, we have this whole hidden life that amanda had that she faked her own death this timeline to me doesn't make any sense because we have been told now for several seasons like when she got here she had five years of experience in advertising mm -hmm. seven years and so what we learned from Jack is that Amanda died in Florida five years ago. So none of this mm -hmm. happened. Up. So like, I just, and listen, I get that they don't care about these details and they were writing in a hurry, but like something add up and it's either the show didn't pay attention to itself or Amanda fibbed when she got to Los Angeles. And like, those are plausible. Um, do you, do you think it was easier to restart a life in a new city? Back? I mean, clearly, I'm sorry, I should rephrase. Of course it was easier back then, right? Like Facebook didn't follow yeah. you. But do you think it was possible to, like, just take up a new identity in the same way? The way, the way Amanda did it. Was this possible without Jack Parisi finding out? I would have found it more convincing if she changed her first name as well. The fact that she's Amanda in both lives. I mean, it's mm -hmm. from a logistical standpoint. But um, maybe, maybe Daddy was able to help with some of that. Mm, that's right yeah criminal yeah 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 okay i get of course why it never because this wasn't a storyline until they just made it up but like wait a minute it would have given this more legs if at some did, point did daddy change his name we'll never know i guess like did she just go back to her maiden name and expect to stay hidden yeah that's a good point yeah i don't know and daddy's well known enough that like Jack, if he had any knowledge of daddy's existence, he would have been able to find daddy and like, see what was going on, you know? Like, yeah. So I don't know. Who knows? Um, the whole scene of the boardroom where she demotes Allison and they're all talking about that. I mean, it's just, we've seen, this is the same shit over and over with blackmail on this show. So it's kind of repetitive. Mm -hmm. 
the scene toward the end where Billy and Allison are kind of commiserating about Brooke moving into the corner office and Allison's like, you like, do you you think she actually earned this job, Billy? And he's like, I don't know, maybe like maybe Amanda's impressed with her. And Allison's like, what? She knows where all the best boutiques are. Like, fair enough. Um, uh, I did enjoy at the end that we got to see Amanda with her shredder again. It's been a long time. She's shredding documents. The last sheet is the photocopy of her driver's license. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, we see Jack arrive at the airport, and he doesn't know how long he'll be here. It'll all depend on what I find. Bum, bum, bum! Um, It also doesn't make sense that, I mean, nothing happened with Brooke to make him want to follow Brooke out to L.A. Right? I don't, I don't know. Maybe there was, I mean, he's like a crime guy so maybe it was enough just that she showed up at the house and had a broken down car and that she asked about the pit but that does still seem flimsy like because anyone could just walk in and you might just to make small talk say like oh that's a portrait of someone that's nice i don't know i don't know well she's soap opera so of course it got him out to los angeles and uh, i'm sure we'll be seeing more of that Okay, so here's where we stand so far. We've made four arguments. We've both conceded the first one to each other. You've conceded the damsel in distress is art. I've conceded the shock therapy is trash. And we're at a draw on take two. The whether or not Amanda Parisi and Brooke is trash or art. We disagree. Okay. Right? That's okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) I would like to raise the stakes with I still fired the little faggot. Here we go. Can you, I'm sorry, can you repeat that line back to me? I would prefer not to, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Well, this is, listen, I understand that it was 1995 and Melrose Place was very touchy about gay material, but they were totally comfortable with, I still fired the little faggot. I can't believe that. Yeah, it was harsh. Yeah, it was and I, it was clearly intended to evoke an emotional reaction. Like we're supposed to jump to Matt's side on this, which we do. Yeah. Um, and this was Calvin Hobbes saying this to Peter and Michael. Because Michael, uh, now I have to give credit. This is one of the other podcasts. I don't even remember which one. Michael is on probation right now or for the assault of Amanda Woodward, right? What was he in jail for recently? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> and, and Peter tried to murder the same woman at that same hospital yeah. and just got his license back. And Calvin Hobbes is saying to these two yahoos, you know, Matt, Matt was a, a lot. By the way, and Kimberly still works there. I mean, she's on leave, I think. but she's, she, she blew up the building. But, but she didn't blow up where she worked. That's the thing. But that is the reputational risk. Anyway, he said, I still fired the little faggot. We needed to clearly understand that this was an anti-gay thing, which I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be stereotypical. You know I would never traffic in stereotypes, Mary. But if you are a hospital and you do not mind gay people working for you, you can only hire women in social services. I'm sorry I don't make the rules. (laughs) And it's pretty crazy down in social services. It is pretty crazy. You think the emergency room is bad. You should see it down (laughs) in social services. Yeah. Yeah. Michael realizes that Hobbs could lose his job over this. So Michael goes to Matt and tells Matt that he heard Hobbs make a, what is a definite homophobic statement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Matt is punch drunk 
and says, I'm not in the revenge business. <laughs> Got it. So Matt is drunk and then he is approached later another day by someone who clearly works for um, one of the civil, the, one, the human rights campaign, one of the gay groups, right? I don't know what it was at the time. Yeah. Um, I, I do remember when the human rights campaign came out because I remember someone, a boy named Courtney, which and there you go, you should have known, um, told me like, oh no, it's not the rainbow anymore. Now it's the equal sign. I guess because of equality, that's what we have to wear. <laughs> Oh, so there was something before HRC, but whatever. That's what it was. He works there. He's a lawyer. He approached Matt. Michael reached out to him because Michael knew how to get in touch with the gays. He probably had Sydney look up the number. (laughs) Fair enough. And whatever. And Matt's arguing. He says, I don't want to do this. And the guy's like, you should. And Matt says, this was also almost my higher point. Let me guess. It's my duty as a gay man to fight this injustice. Which I've heard that argument to me. And then the lawyer said fairly, you have a responsibility to fight. for you. Like it or not, you're a part of a group. Because Matt just said, why do I need to have a label? Why can't I just be me? Because I'm sorry, Matt, because you can't. Because you can't. Because this is how the world works. Because as the lawyer correctly said, whether you like it or not, you're part of a group and you have a responsibility to fight for that group as hard as they will be willing to fight for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Matt decides he wants to fight. So he goes to shooters to find the lawyer? They were meeting there, weren't they? I think they met there. Okay. I don't think the lawyer was just hanging out at shooters. I think he called him to meet him there. Okay, you're right. So anyway, Matt goes to shooters to meet the lawyer, and Matt says he wants to fight this. So again, Matt, all tied up in legal issues because of the gay. But the high art for the generations, I still fired the little faggot. Um, I think statements like that were obviously much more commonplace back then before we were told not to say the F word. You won't even say it. Mm -hmm. Second, um, I still think the sentiment is much more prevalent than we give it credit for. Um, But people just know not to say it. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Yeah. But in 1995 era reality, I think this was higher for the generations. I got to give credit for Melbourne's Place for going for the shocking the moment of shock uh, to kind of jar people to understand what was, what they were going for. Yeah. I mean, I think it worked. It was, it was jarring. Yeah. And it was art. It was art. It was high art. For the generations. (laughs) Yeah. You know what, Nick? Okay, fine. It's going to be interesting for Gen Z because like they're all gay now. Um, Thanks to their teachers teaching them to be gay. Mm -hmm. And It'll be interesting because we're going to clearly see this a little further where where Matt's with HRC fighting a, a discrimination case. It'll be interesting to see how Gen Z reacts to that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, that's it. Mary, bring it home. You've got one more point. Marry me, Jane. We'll be great together. <laughs> this fucking relationship is bullshit i want to punch all these people i want to punch them they're so annoying and it's so stupid um so jane is meeting with a guy from the bank at work mm-hmm. um credit and richard arrives just as the bank guy's leaving i think i show goes well yeah you get the money and richard's pouting he's like once again all the applause from his mancini yeah Literally at the end of last episode, they were doing it on her desk because she wore her trenchini to work. Like, I don't relationship. It makes me 
Stop uh, trying to make Trenchini happen, Mary. It already happened. It's here. Uh, Joe is there because she's working there now, which I heard. Mm-hmm. He, uh, she notices the ruffled feathers. Uh, and Jane's like, oh, he just, you know, needs his ego massage. And she follows Richard into his office. She's like, baby, we're almost there. We just got to get the show. We get the line of credit. And he's like, did you snow the bank guy the way you snow me? And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And yeah. she's like, no. Yeah. He's like, it's just business. And you're my knight in shining armor. She loves him. And he's like, good. I have something for you. And pulls out an engagement ring. What the fuck? Jane's like, oh, my God. And he's like, we've talked enough about this. Marry me, Jane. We'll be great together. I'm like, have you? You've known each other for like a couple of weeks. The building isn't even rebuilt. Your ex-wife just died in an explosion. Okay. And, and, and as far as everybody knows, she's still alive. And you seem to hate Jane Mancini. Rightfully so. But yeah, like the rest of us, right? Yeah, but this... Why hating her? Anyway, and she's like, yes, of course, which is a terrible answer. And they kiss. And she's like, well, maybe we should wait at least until after the show. We don't want anything to overshadow the show. And she says, I'll wear the ring when we're together, but not when we're at work. And he doesn't get upset by this. He's like, well, it's just nice to see that look in a woman's eyes again. I'm like, a woman. Any woman will do. That was another thing. I, was, I almost had that because he, it, it really didn't matter which woman. Yeah, he doesn't care. They're and let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Gentlemen. Okay. Well, any gentleman listening to this is not caring about impressing a woman. But for those of us that have straight men in our lives, first of all, it's 2023. Second, okay. Uh, yeah, like we we moved out from straight men is what I'm saying. But second, yeah, if you do have a straight man that you know and care for, help him understand that uh, referring to your lady as a woman <laughs> is not the way. That does not work. Textually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so later, Jane comes stomping into Richard's office to complain that he told everyone they got engaged. Yeah. They had an agreement after the show they were going to do that. And he what, jumped- what does everybody at the office think Mackenzie is up to? I, none of this makes any sense. The show is ridiculous. Okay. Uh, he jokes he's lousy at keeping secrets. <laughs> She's like, we can't afford any distractions to the spring line. He goes, why is it so important to you? And he says, Mackenzie will get all the credit. And she's like, I'm sorry. I just need to prove something to myself. I've always been Mrs. Mancini or someone's ex or their fiance defined by who I'm with, not what I do. And after the show, I'm going to be in charge of my designs and my life. And Richard's like, I'm not one of those guys who's out to hurt you, baby. And she's like, I know that. And mm. they get back to work. And I'm like, this is, nothing has been resolved here. Okay. Fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch. Uh it's the 90s and they vomited all over a stage that looks like it's in the back of a mall in a jc penny there is fake leather there are feathery bits there are bare midriffs there's a curtain that looks like the curtain when you go to a car wash that flaps around um it's very tacky even by the 90s standards um also it looks like when there's a fashion show in the middle of a mall food court in the middle of the day there's no runway really it's just a couple of feet long and the models are really basically walking into each other there's no room Joe, Mm -hmm. other photographers are at the end of this, I guess we call it a runway, uh, taking pictures and Richard's standing by the edge of the stage and he looks pissy. And then Jane walks back to him at the end with a microphone and he tries to stop her, but she keeps going and she gives out a speech thanking everyone. And then she's like, my name is Jane Mancini. And although you won't find me in the program, I personally designed this line. In fact, Mackenzie Hart had nothing to do with the creation scene here tonight. And people clap, question mark. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) what <laughs> this, this um, was the most ham-handed like that 
quote was the most ham-handed way to get to this point in the storyline. I could, I can't, I personally designed this line. In fact, Mackenzie Hart had nothing to do with the creation scene here tonight. People wouldn't applaud. They would be confused because it's a Mackenzie Hart fashion show. And they, if nothing else, they'd go, what do you mean? Like, I don't know what that means. But instead, they wildly applaud. Uh, Richard glares, understandably. Joe looks confused while everyone's clapping, understandably. Jane is hugging the models like they do at fashion shows. Richard is furious. When she walks back, he pulls her over. He's like, what in God's name are you doing? You just betrayed me and the whole company. And Jane's like, all I did was take credit for my work. I'm the new Mackenzie Hart. I can't think of a better time or place to announce it. And Richard's like, then I can't think of a better time or place to announce this. You're fired. Booyah. Uh, later, Jane is out. It's going to make the wedding night very awkward. <laughs> this engagement is troubled. <laughs> Jane is out jogging by the beach, and Richard finds her because Allison said she was jogging or something. Um, mm-hmm. Already, he's heard she's already had job offers, and she goes, "Oh, just veer away." I'm going to go ahead and call bullshit on that. Uh, yeah, she's making that up. She's like, "Have you forgotten you fired me?" And she's a free agent. And he says, "I thought the idea was to run the show yourself." And she's like, "Yeah." That was the idea, but it didn't work out. And he says, I released a statement today about Mackenzie's death and that Jane is doing things. And he said, I want you back at work. You can have any salary you want and full profit participation. The bank guy called and he said, the company can't have the line of credit if Jane goes. No Jane, no line of credit, no Mackenzie Hart. He tells her to name her price. And she's like, okay, but I'm in charge creatively and financially. And the new company will be Mancini Hart. And that's her final offer. And he counters it's Hart Mancini. Hart goes first. Metaphor? Jane agrees. Uh, he welcomes her back. She leaves to keep jogging. And he's like, what about our engagement? And she's like, one step at a time. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this storyline? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Like, we don't need an engagement. They could have left all that out. Because this is totally implausible. I cannot picture Jane as we have known her. Jane would never rush into an engagement like this at this point. Not after her first marriage, I don't think. Um, why is Richard so hot to engage with this woman who he clearly hates? He clearly he dis- he despises her. And like, I get that there are relationships on the show where people despise each other, like Michael and all of his wives, and I think, and like that's the thing that gets him going. But like, Richard doesn't seem like that guy. He doesn't seem like he's a devious whack job. He just seems like a business guy. So yeah. what's going on here? And then. That fashion show was garbage. That clearly, like, it was like they forgot they had to film a fashion show. So they just breed and, like, found whatever they could. They're like, this looks like fashion. Throw it in there. Maybe like- maybe what they were clapping was not that Mackenzie Hart wasn't involved, but they're like, oh, this, so, this makes so much more sense. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering why Mackenzie was doing this, but now, now I get it. <laughs> That's a fair point. Um, I don't like any of this. This is it's stupid. It's forced. It's happening way too fast. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't remember this getting any better from what I, I watched a little bit of this season a few years ago. So we'll see what happens next week, I guess. And if they're still engaged and what's going on. Now, listen, I do have to say this for our listeners. Who, anyone who does know where this storyline goes, goes. Mary has not gone that far. So um, <laughs> it Mary, just buckle up. Just buckle up. All right. I'm ready. Mary- I, um, for the sheer illogicity of this, for the wild swings in the storyline, and here's the thing, Brooke and her daddy, like, they're wild from episode to episode. Yeah. This is, this is not even scene to scene, are they back and forth? Within one scene, they don't make any sense. (laughs) It's all over the place. It's so inconsistent. It's badly written. 
I won't say it's badly acted because they're just doing what they're getting brought, I guess, on the page. But like, it makes no sense. None of this makes any sense. Let's do let's do a quick little four person tournament, okay? Okay. And here's the question: Who hates Jay Mancini more? Okay. Oh in All the, right. It's already in the uh, semifinals. All right. Okay. So who hates Jay Mancini more, Sydney or Kimberly? Kimberly. Kimberly. All right, Kimberly's in the final. Who hates Jay Mancini more, Richard or Michael? Honestly, Richard. Richard. All right, now Richard or Kimberly? I'm going to have to say Richard only because Kimberly's distracted by Sydney right now. Yeah, yeah, and Kimberly is not, she wasn't, she didn't put a bomb in Jane's apartment. Jane's apartment was fine. That's true. Jane's apartment is fine. That's yeah. Good... Kimberly hates Sydney. She hates Michael right now. She's she's kind of over Jane. Richard hates this woman more than anyone else on this show. And and, and she literally says, I do not want to marry you. So he <laughs> says, here's the ring. By the way, I told everybody who believes I'm still married to a living, breathing Mackenzie Hart that we're engaged. And nobody's asking questions. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. What the? F- I don't understand. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you. Um, so this this week literally is a draw between the two of us, Mary. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, now, did anything else from the show jump out that you want to highlight that we didn't cover already? Honestly, not really. I will say my two favorite moments that made me laugh were that moment where Peter's trying to get Sydney to work for him to spy on Michael, and she keeps wanting to be called a spy, so he finally called her a spy because it was really cute. Yeah. And the scene where Courtney Thorne Smith got to fake walk blind in the background because she really legit, I hope, I hope she was having a good time. It she's, looked- a, she's having a blast. All right. <laughs> uh, the one thing I do want to just give some credence to, we have a cold open moment, not cold at the beginning of the show, but like this, we're just suddenly in Jake's apartment. Jake and Joe are there. And Joe's like, yeah. who's in your shower? And Jake <laughs> says, oh, it's Shelly. And Joe says, oh, Shelly. Who the hell is Shelly? <laughs> oh, that's dark. Yeah. Shelly tells Jake not to feel guilty about murdering his brother by shoulder blocking him into the ground. <laughs> she does this at the cemetery. It's the natural order of things. And then Shelly is working at Shooters because we learned that Sydney was doing the books. <laughs> and Shelly can do the books. Why can't Jake do the books at this point? Like, they can't be that complicated. At the bar. And, like, and Joe says, Oh, you're working here now, clearly threatened by Shelly. <laughs> and Joe says to Jake, Do you think it's slightly weird that she wants to work with you? <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Oh, Joe, the supportive girlfriend. I am sick of them getting together and breaking up again. Enough. what's what's annoying is the last two times they put them together it's clearly like it's explicitly been for a handsome spouse to come break them up yeah yeah i'm tired oh. of mm, bop these handsons <laughs> uh well i guess we'll be back next week for more and we'll have a special guest with us oh my god what a thrill it's been a long time since we had a guest it seems that way Episode 30, plus we had a couple uh, special episodes and throw in Models Inc. cast and the Puddle Search cast. It's been a while. It has, yeah. Yeah, so, well, we'll see what our our Gen Z expert Nicholas has been up to. Uh, We'll see what he thinks about the way gays were treated in the 90s. 
and what fashion was like back then too to be frank with joe or, i'm sorry with jane it's sad that a lot of that stuff is coming back yeah that is jane's stuff but similar yeah well mary the debate continues onward and onward i gotta admit that we haven't already decided that this show is just higher for the generations i can only say is simply shocking I guess to someone it's shocking. This week's episode of the Melrose Place cast is generously supported by the following sponsor. Oh, yeah, you had a long day. Surgical consults, blackmailing one or more of your exes, and or being blackmailed by one of more of your exes, visiting at least one of your exes in an insane asylum. <laughs> giving oncology consults, even though you're not trained for it, Mm -hmm. you need to unwind. And no ordinary distilled spirits will do. No, for you and that special someone, something stronger will do. Something much stronger. Something that'll make them ask, what is jet fuel? It's time to take a trip to Italy with a little help from Grappa Benzini. (laughs) Grappa, in case you don't know, which I didn't, is a fine, fragrant Italian brandy made from the residue of distilled wine. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how at least two of your marriages are made from the distilled residue of your first one. But <laughs> the best part about Grappa Mancini is that it's rumored by the ancestors to have certain aphrodisiacal powers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, baby. That means it's a panty and or boxer dropper. Booyah! <laughs> I love a boxer dropper. Oh, good old boxer dropper. Sure, your companion might have started out thinking all you're doing tonight is scheming against one of your other exes, but by a few sips in, they're going to be full of deep thoughts about how they're just like a ball bouncing from relationship to relationship, scheme to scheme. They bounce away, they bounce back, but they always come back to you and grab a Mancini. <laughs> well, it's your I like your ex with the car, that's Mancini. Well, the world seems to shine like a bomb going off. That's Mancini. <laughs> ring every couple months for divorce for your latest wedding. It won't last. You'll find a new one fast, but not before she tries to carbon monoxide you. <laughs> Makes the gals drool, even though you're in your Mancini. When spilled pasta sauce drips from your head to your hips, that's Mancini. When you walk in a dream, where your ex stabs you with glass. That's a scare. Excuse me, but you see, back in old Mero's place, that's Mancini. Grappa Mancini. Please enjoy Grappa Mancini responsibly because it will not be gentle with you or your liver. Oh my goodness. Grappa Mancini. This is just what I needed. Grappa Mancini. Grappa Mancini. Hey. Listen, listen. Tell me about the the inhibit the effects on inhibition Grappa Mancini has. Does it lower it or raise it? It's gonna drop it down to less than zero. Tell tell me more. Tell, like, can you give me an example? Oh my. Um, well, I'm not an expert in this, but um, you know, it seems it seems that all it really takes is a few sips, and people become very open to virtually any suggestion. Uh, including sleeping with their ex-husband who's tried to kill them several times. <laughs> so I would say that's not a lot of inhib- inhibitions left at that point. Not a lot. Now, now, from what I remember from that example, not only did the ex-husband try to kill her, she tried to kill the ex-husband. Yeah, well, you know, that's why we say to use the Grappa Mancini responsibly, because mm. it's, it's a potent, a potent brew. 
And it, pa- it packs a punch, you might say. It packs a punch. It packs a stabbing. It packs a bomb. It packs some marinara dumped over your head. Whatever you need it to pack, it will pack. Like, it's, it's the carbon monoxide that I think is important to remember, like, it wasn't just a, hey, should we kill him? It was, we literally tried to kill him. We really, we need a plan and we need it to be, be followed. And followed. Um, yeah, so you, just, you want to use it responsibly. You don't want to just be sipping that unless you really need it. Mm-hmm. Now, could Grandpa Mancini, I'm thinking of a situation, hypothetical, of course, Mary, hypothetical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But imagine a scenario where I, I believed I had carbon monoxide, my ex-husband, and I come into the courtyard bitching about a wedding that's happening, only to see him alive and well. <laughs> yep. So I, I yelp, ah, into the mouth. Mm-hmm. How would that have gone different if I had taken a dose of Grandpa Mancini? I think if you had a little bit of Grappa Mancini in your system, it would be more than a yelp. You'd be like, holy shit, I thought I killed you in your garage with your car running. <laughs> oh, oh, I was hoping it would go the other way. Okay, so it doesn't make you more subtle. Oh, no, no, nothing about Grappa Mancini is subtle. Nothing. No, nothing <laughs> about it is subtle. Nothing. Okay, good to know. So d- definitely use responsible or you may, may uh, confess to some crimes. Yeah, you don't just, you know what, if you haven't committed any crimes, you're going to be fine. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. So it won't won't make false confessions. Um. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but. <laughs> good. Well, where where can the good people? I mean, they've got to get their hands on some grappa mancini. Now, I you know I don't drink alcohol, so this is this is not for me, right? Well, I have great news. This <gasps> is not supposed to be announced yet. There's a new non-alcoholic version of grappa mancini coming out. Oh, goodness! Tell me more. Well, you get all the same effects uh, act with uh, hallucinogens instead. <laughs> but there's no alcohol in it. <laughs> okay, so definitely still loaded with drugs. Oh, loaded with mind-altering substances, but just not alcohol. So you're fine. Not alcohol. So you get, you, you're, you're holding on to your sobriety on a technicality. Yeah, like Allison could just drink as much of that as she wants and she'd be fine. Would it affect her vision? I mean, it might blind her <laughs> if you have too much because it's pretty strong. <laughs> But I guess she's walking around being blind or pretending to be, so she's fine either way for her. At least until Billy opens his eyes. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay, so where can the good people, where can we get, get ourselves some Grappa Mancini? You know, really almost anywhere. Almost anywhere that fine spirits hold and pervade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you can go to your neighborhood uh, corner store, your bodega, your liquor store. Um you know, a supermarket that has a liquor aisle. Oh, good, good. Uh-huh. What about a Barnes & Noble? Um, I don't, unless it has an, an alcohol license, probably not. Okay, so but there, so there's not like any under the table happening? I don't think at Barnes & Noble, no. Okay, okay. Oh, oh, but I sense, you know, a little, I heard that in your voice, like, no, not Barnes & Noble, but please do go ahead and ask me about Maurice's. <laughs> sure, they got it rolled. Like a, it's a secret distilling. <laughs> you know, I think in Maurice's, I remember when I was a kid, I would, uh, oh, my mother loved this game. Uh, we would be shopping and I would go inside the circle, the, the circle racks and hide in there. Mm-hmm. And she would not know where I was. Oh my. And I would giggle when she was like calling for me. <laughs> but I bet that's where they keep the grappa. That, you know what? I'm going to remember that next time I'm in there. I'm going to check. Yeah, check there. Because you can get yourself some good grappa, but the fuzz won't know to look for it. 
Yeah. And you know what ladies like when they're out shopping with their friends? They want a little drink. So they probably do have secret grappa. You just Let- have to nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Let me tell you, the ladies on this show that have been shopping for clothes have clearly had their inhibitions lowered. <laughs> a lot of grappa has been sipped. A whole bunch of it. Well, we, we thank our sponsor this week. Uh, am I pronouncing it correctly? Grappa Mancini? Grappa Mancini. So, wait, seriously, how, how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the, the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God. How long? Yeah. And, and Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It's a two-season spinoff. Of what? What do they? Of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think nine hundred two one zero to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. I I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Ally McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. Okay, so we're in for all of it. Oh, God. 